Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing today? Doing good, Joe. Doing good. Uh, you know, first preseason game out of the way. Now we get towards the second, and then before we know it, we will. And I kind of feel like I say this every week. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer to kicking this thing off, and then that's really exciting. Yes, so in today's podcast, we are going to talk about what we saw in the New York Jets preseason opener against the Tennessee Titans, a game in which they won 7-3. to uh, We will talk about what we want to see this weekend in their first road preseason game against the Detroit Lions. We'll also talk about some of the discourse going on around the team right now coming out of the opening game. Uh, before we dive into all that, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official partner of the New York Jets for 2017. Make sure to check out primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets for more information about away game packages and different fan experiences at home games in 2017. Again, that's primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. Give them a follow on Twitter. Give them a follow on Facebook. Longtime friend of the pod now. It's been about a year or so. Appreciate Prime Sport continuing to work with us. So make sure to check them out. Give them some love at primesport.com backslash turn the Jets. And of course, make sure to go give us an iTunes review. We are 10 away from 100. Got to get to that 100 mark. Helps with our searchability. Helps with the exposure of the pod. Also check out theloyalist.com backslash turn the Jets. Two new shirts out this week. Give the ball to Anderson and Powell. Sorry, Anua. We'll get back to you next year. And uh, New York Jets take the undershirt because there's going to be a lot of low scoring football this year. As we saw... In the preseason opener, over-under was 37. Jets won 7-3. And to basically recap what happened in this game, the Jets won the toss, went right down the field with Josh McCown under center, led predominantly by a 53-yard completion of Robbie Anderson, a really nice-looking uh, route and deep ball from McCown. Short touchdown pass to Sharone Peak. The Jets' offense basically shut down the rest of the night after that. Christian Hackenberg played the overwhelming majority of the game, 18-25, uh, with a 5.1 yard per attempt, uh, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, did have a lost fumble and did have to burn a couple timeouts. We'll, we'll dive a little deeper into his performance uh, a little later in this pod. Defensively, it was an extremely encouraging night. The Jets' first, second, and third team defense pretty much completely dominated Tennessee from start to finish. Todd Bowles playing a little more aggressive than usual for a preseason game was definitely a little blitz happy, and the Jets had eight sacks. Uh, an interception by Ronald Martin, uh, a forced fumble by Anthony Johnson that was recovered by Josh Martin, who actually had a very good night at outside linebacker and looks like he might be the leader right now to start opposite Jordan Jenkins. But this was a really strong night from the Jets defense where you really saw their defensive line dominate up front, making life easier on the back end for their linebackers and their corners. Uh, in the secondary, Dexter McDougal is definitely a guy who stood out, had three passes defense, played very well in the slot. Something worth keeping an eye on going forward. But, you know, I think overall it was an encouraging performance. I think, you know, you hear so much uh, hysteria around this team potentially being 0-16 or 1-15. You kind of expected them to come out and just get wiped even though it was a preseason game. But the Jets played well. They held their own against Tennessee. It's first team. Tennessee is a team many are picking to be in the playoffs this year. And uh, they played well enough on defense where you can see – the logic coming from us, some of us who would pick them to win, you know, five to seven games this year rather than, you know, zero to two games. Because when you have a defense that good, you can be competitive. Now, it's one preseason game. 
And, you know, clearly there's been a, a little bit of a surge of optimism uh, among Jet fans after this game. You know, we do want to, you know, a little cautious. It was one game, but overall, an encouraging start. I think the Jets looked well-coached and well-organized. I mean, what were your initial thoughts on this game, Dalvin? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head, first and foremost. It's the first preseason game, and realistically, Tennessee's a good team. I personally don't have them in the playoffs, but I, I think they're a good team, and it's a good kind of first step as you enter year three of, well, and a lot of people are saying year one of the rebuild, but it's really year three, even, you know, no matter what happened the last two years. Um, so it's a good barometer for a young team to see how they stack up against a team that's just lights out better than them. Right. And I think that it's important that the Jets take away some positives from this game, for example. Um, and they only threw at the Axeman Ardarius Stewart once, but you highlighted his stiff arm on one of your gifts. I think it's important to get him the ball in space, similar to how the similar to how the Saints used uh, Willie Sneed and similar to how the 49ers had used Michael Crabtree when John Morton was there. You get him the ball and hope that they make a play, right? Like not everything is going to be a vertical shot down the field. And you do. Th I understand that a lot of people may not want to hear this, but as I was watching the tape, I know that for me, I came away thinking that it resembled much more of San Francisco's offense than it ever did New Orleans's offense and a lot of people were like oh my god well, why is that crazy well for starters uh Christian Hackenberg looked a lot like Alex Smith there was a lot of high it was a lot of high it was a lot of easy throws it was nothing nothing that you're gonna take down the field Alex Smith very rarely challenged teams vertically even though he could um even though he could you know much more than people thought that he couldn't um and Hackenberg did a lot of that so it was a lot of, it was a lot by design of just getting him the ball having him be decisive with his reads and throw it now the issue and you touched on this in your breakdown of him the issue with one read offenses is that when you have defenses that now have the tape on you they will sit on those routes and you will throw more turnovers so again maybe Morton was playing it a little bit closer to the chest but I think that's probably the most impressive thing is just I thought John Morton held his own I thought John, John Morton showed exactly what this offense is probably going to look like which is going to be a lot of get the ball into your playmakers and let them make let them make plays um it would have been very interesting to see Quincy Anua in this offense because I think he is the Jets' best offensive weapon and he's a monster with the ball in his hands. And so if you're running bubble screens for a six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound monster like him, uh, who has, you know, his hands are getting better. They're much better than they were when he was coming out of Nebraska. I think that would have been interesting to see. But now it's on Stewart. It's on Hanson, who, you know, was playing well into the fourth quarter and didn't really do much. It's on Leggett, who had a really nice catch. But the biggest thing for me is that I think Morton highlighted exactly what this offense is going to be, and it's going to be high percentage throws. It's going to be similar to, again, it's not the Golden State Warriors offense in football, but it's very similar to kind of like the San Antonio Spurs. You're running the same plays no matter who's in there, and it's a lot of pin downs. It's a lot of it's a lot of hooks and curls. It's a lot of ends. It's a lot of slants. None of this vertical stuff, because even that, like Hackenberg, the mechanic issues did show up on the vertical throws, whereas I think he showed a lot more on the short to intermediate game. Yeah, and I think um, the way the Jets coach this game offensively and defensively, I think, is a good indication of the type of game right. planning we're going to see this year. They're going to be over-aggressive on defense. I think if Todd Balls is going out, he's going out swinging and is going to blitz substantially. Uh, I think offensively, they're going to try to protect that defense and protect the quarterback position. And, you know, what you really saw from Hackenberg was a one-read, extremely basic offense. Again, he finished... 18 of 25 for 127 yards. Now that is a substantially low yards per attempt. And what was encouraging is that he was de decisive with the football. He stood strong in the pocket. He waited in there. He was able to move the chains a few times on third down. 
Uh, he didn't look anywhere near as skittish as he did last year. Uh, the problem is that, you know, it was a one-read game, right? If you look at what he completed, and I broke this down on the site last night, six screen or swing routes, so one step and dump off, four hitch routes, three steps, dump it off, two flat routes, one step, dump it off, two short crossing routes, and one slant route. So nothing down the field. The two times he threw down the field, the ball landed out of bounds. you got to keep the ball in play and give your receivers a chance to compete. And like Dalvin said, uh, defenders are going to squat on these routes eventually. And that's how his slant route almost got intercepted when it got bad at the line. People move into the passing lane. They adjust and recognize what you're doing. So eventually the Jets are going to have to open up more and let him attack, just like you saw Josh McCown attack down the field successfully. Uh, and hit Robbie Anderson and then be patient and wait for Sharon Peak to open up for a touchdown. So Hackenberg was unquestionably improved from last year. That's a good thing. I would still say he's the second-best quarterback on the team right now, which is mildly frustrating, but we knew McCown was probably starting the year, and that Hackenberg is probably going to take over at some point in October. I think the most frustrating things with Hackenberg are some of the mental command errors. He can't blow two timeouts because the, time, the play clock is winding down. It's two and two quarters. Uh, you can't afford to give away those timeouts. You can't fumble a snap. You can't fumble a handoff to Elijah McGuire that just were lucky enough to fall on. Uh, those are the type of things this offense is desperately trying to avoid and can't have those type of setbacks on. So I think you want to see now against Detroit, you want to see this offense diversify a little bit with him. You want to see him work to his second read. You want to see him complete a deep dig route, a post route, a post corner. Something more down the field attacking, that's the logical next step here. And people, you know, are really going to have to, fans are really going to have to lose the sensitivity about how Hackenberg is covering, being covered. Covering him with kid gloves uh, doesn't do the benefit to anybody. It gives fans false hope and leads to eventual disappointment. And if the Jets evaluate him with kid gloves, they're going to make a wrong decision next year. He needs to be evaluated like a second-year player. He needs to be being held to the same standard, at least that all the other rookie quarterbacks are being held to. Guys like Watson and Mahomes and Kaiser and Trubisky compared to how they played in their first preseason game. And all of them are going against second-team defenses like Hackenberg was right. predominantly. So, um, look, there are pros and cons in the performance. But acting like you know Hackenberg cemented himself as a franchise quarterback because he threw for 127 yards on 25 pass attempts and didn't score any points – isn't realistic. Now, there's more progress to be made, and he will get his opportunity. But, um, you know, I think moving around the rest of the offense, really encouraging to see Robbie Anderson right by, run right by Logan Ryan and also get a couple more grabs on him. He played very well. And then outside of that, 14 total people with a catch. You know, Peak had a touchdown. Stewart shows the stiff arm. Hanson has a catch. Chris Harper converted a third down. Miles White converted a third down. So you saw a little bit of everybody getting involved, which I think is going to be something you'll see a lot of on the Jets' offense. The running game was disappointing, unquestionably. They had two nice runs by McGuire that were called back due to holding, and beyond that, really did nothing. 31 carries for 60 yards. That should improve when Powell and Forte are back, but it's definitely something to watch with the offensive line. I mean, how concerned were you overall about the offensive line? Only allowed two sacks, but no push in the running game at all. Very concerned. I mean, and just uh, to go back to the point that you made about the defense, um, and this is kind of, you're right, I mean, the defense... I think the defense is going to be better than a lot of people expect. And then that's when you get situations where people are like, oh, my God, but that means they're not going to get a quarterback or whatever. And chances are if the defense is good, it's going to help Hackenberg. So I will just say that about the defense. And particularly the offensive line, um, it's funny because Joe Malfa in our roundtable this week, that was his most impressive group. And I, and I left feeling like, man, did we watch two different games? Like, what happened? Um, because I do think that, yeah, sure, they held their own 
in pass protection, you know, and Brian Arakpo is in Tennessee, and you know, he didn't play many snaps. And they have a they have an up and coming defense. They don't necessarily have the murderer's row of pass rushers that the Jets should face during the season. But I don't know, man. Like I I worry because if the offensive line struggled with that defensive line, then what are you going to do when it's Marcel Darius or Khalil Mack um, or you know Dominican Sue? Like what's going to happen when when that's the first three high profile pass rushers, you know, defensive linemen that the Jets offensive line faces? I will say this though. And again, I say this for everything in terms of preseason. It is the first time that the that the starters kind of came, you know, played together. Um, it's different when you're just, you know, in practice. And again, the Jets have arguably the best defensive line in football, and they were beating the snot out of the offensive line repeatedly, right? So it's a little different with that. But I will say that the Jets need to end this charade with, you know, Brent Taleb Kwali and just play Brandon Shell because he is he's he again had another really good game, did not allow a pressure in eighteen, I think it was like eighteen snaps or something like that. Um and again that continues what he did towards the end of last year where he, he was arguably one of the better and again just if you look at protection and sacks allowed, one of the better offensive linemen in football now is this saying that he is a franchise right tackle? No. But I think he deserves a fair shot at this. And I hope that Bowles and the and the coaching staff see that. But the offensive line is super concerning and the fact that I mean they're treating Elijah McGuire, and it's, and again, I do think that he's going to end up starting, but they're treating him already like he's a starter. And so I wonder if there is some writing on the wall where the Jets will try to move Matt Forte to a team that needs a running back um, and kind of just go with McGuire and Powell. Powell can't be, uh, for me, in my opinion, Powell can't be a full-time back, but him and McGuire complement each other really well. So, yeah, I'm concerned about the offensive line as much as, as – much as, and the funny thing is, Joe, we've been doing this podcast now for about four or five years, and I feel like every year we say that the offensive line is a concern, and everybody's like, oh, my God, you guys are so crazy, the offensive line is great and then you see a performance like this past week one preseason and it's again still a concern so valid concern i think all around all right let's move over to discuss the defense because this was from top to bottom a very encouraging performance and i think the formula for this jets defense to be very good or in the top half of the league or even in the top 10 is Defensive line dominates up front. That opens up lanes for the linebackers, helps guys out like Darren Lee, Demario Davis, and whoever ends up playing outside linebacker. And Jordan Jenkins basically played this full game, which was a little concerning. I know the Jets were down uh, a couple bodies with Dylan Donahue out and um, Lorenzo Malden out, but you know he's a guy who's probably going to be a starter. So to see him out there in the fourth quarter of a preseason game was a little concerning. Uh, Josh Martin, as we mentioned, had a sack, a fumble recovery, was very much in the mix and very much pushing Lorenzo Malden uh, for playing time at that other spot. Malden's the kind of guy, if he doesn't get in the field soon, uh, he's very quickly going to trend towards the roster bubble at this point because there is a lot of competition now at that outside linebacker spot. Uh, in the secondary, quiet day for the Jets rookie safeties and, and uh, Morris Claiborne, which is generally a good thing if you're in the secondary. Uh, they'll get more playing time in the coming weeks and we'll have more to actually go at. Uh, but the second team... Uh, secondary, pretty good overall. I mean, you did see Daryl Roberts get beat for a big play, and Derrick Jones did get beat. Fortunately, the Titans couldn't connect on that second one. But as we mentioned, a strong game from De uh, Dexter McDougal, a sack from London Williams, good push from Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson the entire game. And uh, if the Jets are going to be able to play defense at that level, they're going to win a few games because they play Cleveland. They play Jacksonville. They play Miami twice. They play Buffalo twice. There are some wins on the schedule if you're going to play competitive defense like that. Now, the question is going to be when they play two or three quarters versus Detroit and the Giants, two teams with better offenses, uh, and you know teams were able to put up a lot of points last year, how are they going to hold up in those games? But you know this Jets defense is going to lead to a lot of low-scoring games, and it was definitely a really encouraging start for them, no? 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, you you said that uh, Bowles is going to go down swinging. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's I think that that's absolutely appropriate. I think he's going to go down playing his way and coaching his game rather, and he's going to send you know multiple blitzers, and they're going to be aggressive. Um, the quiet games from Mason Adams, I I don't I honestly think I honestly think that. It could go one of two ways. The less you hear the safeties, the better, right? Because that means they're not getting beat deep and that means they're not missing tackles or anything like that. But you do want to see some more impact plays. But also Adams was bouncing back off some little nicks and, you know, they're not going to risk injury to their, you know, top two picks. Because we've seen, like, for example, in San Diego, their top two picks are out, you know, one until the fall and one until probably almost closer to Thanksgiving. And then the other one's out for the season in Forest Lamp. So it's something that, you know, it's, it, I, I think the Jets have done a really good job during during this entire time of just – you know, really managing players' health and making sure that they're healthy entering the season. Um, the defense, I think, played well. I think Darren Lee, he's bigger, um, and he doesn't seem to have lost any of the athleticism, which is good. Um, I think Martin is playing himself, and with Malden in particular, and then, you know, he got into the fight with Beecham and Bowles had to call him out on it. I, I had I had suggested this during the offseason, during the last few months, and people were like, what? No way they cut him. Malden is a guy that I think is strictly on the bubble. I think that Donahue is going to become a favorite. And even with him not playing, he was on the sideline charting plays with Kevin Green. Um, and <clears throat> when you have a guy like Josh Martin and then you have a guy like either Beltray or Bishop that can give you more off the edge than Malden can, it would not surprise me if the Jets try to move him for a, for a pick for next year or try to just cut him outright. Because there is, there is this added push now that you have now added this competition and – if Malden does not produce, which, again, has been his M.O. the first two seasons, he struggled early on, it's going to be interesting to watch because there's going to be players that are going to be trying to take his position. Um, on the corners, I thought I mean, I mean, thought they handled themselves well. McDougal, who, again, I feel like we've been waiting for, you know, for a couple of years now, seemed to do really, really well in the slot. Um, I think that the Jets have some intriguing names in that cornerback group, and I think Bowles and, and, and Austin – Bowles has done a really good job of developing secondary players, I feel. And I think, Austin, it's going to be interesting because Tremaine Johnson and Janoris Jenkins credit him for their development. So it's going to be good to see how he develops our young guys. All right, before we wrap, looking ahead to next week, here are a few things that I, I like to personally see when the Jets take on the Lions this Saturday. I want to see more Brandon Shell at right tackle with the first unit. I want to see Christian Hackenberg increase that yards per attempt and put some points up on the scoreboard. Uh, I want to see Robbie Anderson continue to build on his strong performance last week, and I want to see some semblance of a running game. Defensively, you do want to see some type of uh, notable play from either Marcus May or Jamal Adams getting in the mix a little bit, and I want to see the defensive line continue to dominate the way they did against the Titans. Those are the things that kind of jump off the page to me. Also going to be interesting to see if Frankie Hammond could really lock down that returner job now that Lucky Whitehead is out four to six weeks. He's definitely the front runner for it now. So I think one or two more big plays from him, and he's going to secure himself a roster spot. What are you hoping to see versus Detroit? Um, I think for me, uh, maybe a couple of vertical shots just to kind of keep the defense honest. Um, I want to see more reps for Hackenberg. I think that this was I – was, I think it was yesterday they reported was the first time that Hackenberg's actually gotten more reps than McCown. I think that needs to continue because you're not gaining anything from Josh McCown playing. Um, although, you know, I am – more leaning towards the side of just start them the first two games and play Hackenberg, the home opener, um, you know, which could be what they do. Um, but honestly, I just play the kid right away. Um, the running game, like you mentioned, I think is going to be important. I'd also like to see just them use Stewart and Hanson more because I get that Robbie Anderson is probably going to be a target hog in this offense. And that I, I get it because he's, uh, well, I guess arguably their best receiver. Um, but I think Stewart and Hanson have the 
have skill sets that can be used. And I know, again, similar to Adams, they're both bouncing back from like some spring injuries and stuff like that. But you want to you want to start using them properly. You want to start finding ways to use them. So that way, when you kick this thing off against Buffalo in week one, you're not just breaking in these rookies. They've already had ample game time. Um, and honestly, I'd like to see some turnovers, man. I think, you know, that the Jets defense in 2015 and again, you always get regression to the mean. But the Jets defense was very good about forcing turnovers and interceptions, fumbles, all that. And I'd like to see some more of that, too, beginning with Detroit. All right, we will be back next week. Uh, before we wrap, we're going to give you a quick preview of next week's Play Like a Jet, this week's Play Like a Jet podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Play Like a Jet. Make sure to subscribe to Turn on the Jets. Make sure to subscribe to The Jet Take, our newest podcast hosted by uh, Kyle and Ben, our first call-in show at Turn on the Jets Digital. They'll also be interviewing Santonio Holmes this week, so happy to welcome Tone them. time. That's right, tone time. Happy to welcome them to the, uh, the Turn on the Jets family and our ever-growing uh, podcast network. So subscribe to Draft Season. Subscribe to Turn the Jets. Leave us a review. Leave us a review. Leave us a review. Subscribe to the Jet Take. Subscribe to Play Like a Jet. Uh, we will be back next week, and now we're going to throw it to our preview for this week's Play Like a Jet. Thank you for listening, everybody. All right, and before we wrap, we want to give a preview of this week's Play Like a Jet podcast hosted by Scott Mason. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Every week, Scott talks with a different person from the New York Jets history uh, about previous moments, seasons uh, in franchise history. So, Scott, what do we have on the way this week? Well, it's going to be a fun time this week, Joe. Thanks again to everybody who tuned in last week for part one of our discussion with former three-time All-American safety Doug Shanahan from Hofstra University talking about his journey trying to make the Jets back in 2002. We got all the way up to the beginning of training camp last week, and now we're going to finish his journey. He makes it all the way through the preseason, but would he make the final cut and make the opening day roster? You're going to find that out this week, in addition to some cool stories, including what kind of hazing was going on during training camp. What was training camp itself like, the daily life of somebody who's trying to make the team, especially as a bubble player? And also, a little special thing for you, too, a lot of talk about maybe Matt Forte getting traded. There's a lot of buzz about possibly the Dallas Cowboys. And Big John Spiropolis, my sidekick, if you will, he may or may not have gotten a phone call from Jerry Jones looking to see if he could, you know, use his influence on the Tour on the Jets digital network to kind of twist a few arms in Jets management and get Matt Forte for a sweetheart deal. Might have invited John to lunch. So you might get to hear that story and much, much more this week on Play Like a Jet. It'll be available Friday on iTunes, so make sure you download. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Leave us reviews, and also please leave reviews for the Jet Take, our newest podcast, the Turn on the Jets podcast that you're listening to right now in draft season with Jeff Lund and Dalvin Asario. The reviews don't take very much time at all. But they really help out a lot. So if you can do that for us, it would be much appreciated. And Joe, really looking forward to continuing on and the forward momentum that we have going with Turn on the Jets Digital. Absolutely. So again, everybody, make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Like a Jet, and check back every Friday for a new episode. Check back every Wednesday for a new episode of Turn on the Jets, and ch also check back every Wednesday or Thursday for a new episode of our newest podcast, The Jet Take. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week.